Hello, this is Peggy Joyce Ruth. Welcome to our podcast and hope you enjoy this teaching. So Father, I thank you that our hearts and our minds are going to be open and attentive to you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to have your will and your way. Lord, I thank you that as I put the word out, Lord, I'm asking you to anoint me because, Lord, your word, literally the entrance of your word brings light and brings healing and brings health. And I just pray, Father, that it'll not be words that people hear, but, Lord, I just pray that as we hear the words that they'll sink deep into our spirit and and they'll just come alive. Those words will come alive. I thank you that your word is alive and active and operative. And, Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for it, Lord. Just have your will and your way in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is the third and the last session on healing, and I call it the appropriation of healing. So this session is going to tell you how to get well if you're sick or how to overcome any reports that sound bad and how to walk in health. Now, in the first session, we laid a pretty firm foundation on the basics of health. We talked about the fact that healing is a part of the atonement. Now, that just simply means that It already belongs to us. It was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. Now, last week we looked at some non-biblical, traditional thinking that can hinder our faith and keep us from being healed. We also looked at some biblical facts that back up divine healing. And this week we're simply going to look at some general helps now for appropriating this gift of healing into our everyday life. But today, there's just some things that are on my heart that I just wanted to give to you today. I think it can be really beneficial. Now, the first I want to address one question that is asked by a lot of people. A lot of people say, well, if we are in fact redeemed from sickness and disease, how then can it ever touch me? If I really am redeemed from it, why would I ever get sick? Well, that's a good question. So I want you to listen real carefully. After the fall of man, after man lost what he had gotten in the garden, he came under the curse, He lost his health, he was headed straight for hell, and God provided redemption. He provided it through Christ's blood. Now, God provided redemption from sin. He provided redemption from sickness. But man's not a robot, so God couldn't just force that redemption on man. See, every phase of redemption is a gift, and it has to be accepted Just exactly like our ticket to heaven has to be received, our health has to be accepted. We have to receive it. Now, God doesn't force the blessings on us. We're responsible for the transfer of every part of redemption, whether it be the rebirth or whether it be health or protection or peace or whatever. Now, this clears God of all responsibility for any failure. So you're redeemed whether you receive it or not. But you know, God wants us to have it. It's the desire of God's heart for us to be able to receive what He's provided. It's been bought and paid for. He paid a high price for it, and it's been laid up for His children. So I'm going to give you nine general helps. Now, even though you may have heard some of these suggestions before, I want you to remember that anytime you're battling symptoms on your body, the failure to apply any one of these can hinder your progress. So that's why it's important for us to hear these things over and over and be reminded. Number one, to obtain healing, one must get to know the healer. Now, I've heard that for years, and what that said to me was that if I got close enough to the Lord, I'd get healed. But that's not what that's saying. I can get close to my Savior, and I can meditate all day long on how wonderful it's going to be to spend eternity with Him and still not get healed. 
See, if I'm needing a healing, I'm going to have to come to know him as my healer, as my Jehovah Rapha. Okay, now let me give you an example. Let's say that there was a famous artist who's also a gourmet cook. Now, I can watch him cook. I can get his recipes. I can taste his food. I can get all these helpful hints from him so that I can learn how to be a cook. And I can know him as a cook. But if I want to know him as an artist, then I'm going to have to watch him paint. I'm going to have to see how he mixes his paints, and I'm going to have to observe his technique and, and look at his paintings before I'll ever get to know him as an artist. If I don't do that, I will continue just to know him as a chef. Well, you know, so many times we get very, very close to the Lord, and maybe we come to a place where we're really trusting him as our provider. But see, that's not going to do us any good if we're needing a healing. Now, we have to know the healer if we want to get well. Okay, a lot of people say, well, all right, how do I get to know him then as healer? All right, everything that we've talked about in these three sessions, just go over and over that and study that until absolutely your mind is renewed and you've washed away every single doubt about his willingness to heal or his ability to heal. See, some people doubt uh, that God is willing to heal them. And we have to come to a place where we study through the Word of God until we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is God's will to heal us every single time. See, your faith is going to start where the will of God is known. So when you come to the place where you know that you know that you know that you know that it's God's will to heal you and it's His will to heal you every time and it's already been provided for, then you're going to find that's where your faith is going to lock in. Go through all the healing scriptures. Go through it until you know that this is a part of the atonement. See, it's only when we get into the Word of God and find out what the Word of God says on the subject that we're going to be able to release our faith. And then learn to touch the healer. You know, in the New Testament, when they came to Jesus and they touched Jesus, that's when they got healed. Crawl up into His arms spiritually. Have a time when you get up early in the morning and you get with the Lord and you begin to meditate on the fact that He is your healer. You begin to confess those scriptures and you begin to thank Him personally for all the times that He's healed you, for the fact that He provided it in the atonement, for the fact that He's healed other people that you've known, and begin to thank Him. And then listen to his voice and let him tell you how he feels about your healing. You know, sometimes we can be so busy telling the Lord what we need that we forget to listen and let him begin to speak to us. That's just an added blessing anytime we can allow God to speak to us and we can hear his voice about our healing. You know, years ago when Jack went to work for FMC, they required a back x-ray. Now, Jack had been healed from an old back problem, and he was fine, but it put a little fear on him when he heard they were going to do a back x-ray because he thought, oh, I wonder if something old is going to show up in that x-ray. And so he began to pray, and the Lord said, I'm going to give you that physical exam. And he thought, well, now, you know, what exactly does that mean? And he was talking to his brother-in-law about it, and he said, Lord, the Lord said that he was going to give me that physical exam. And so Lord said, well, how does God see you? And Jack thought about that, and he thought, thought, you know, God sees me healed. So praise God, he's the one that's going to be giving me that exam. So it was just an added faith builder when all of a sudden he could realize, God said, I'm going to give you the exam. And of course God saw him healed, and the back x-ray came out fine. So we're going to find that it really can build your faith if you'll stop and just let God speak it to you. We have his word, but he'll speak it up out of your spirit. So number one, application of applying the scriptures to receive your healing or walk in your health 
is to get to know the heater. Now this may take a little time, but this is the most important thing that you can do. Number two, when seeking a healing for our body, we need to be careful not to make a compromise with the devil. We need to remember that the devil is the author of disease. Now there's con conditions to the promises on healing. And when I say that, well immediately, there's a lot of people who will begin to compromise. Now by compromise, I mean they'll mentally begin to settle for less than what the word offers. Now, let me tell you why we do that. See, Satan is the accuser and he comes in with a lot of condemnation. And a lot of people will begin to lose hope when the devil will start accusing them. And the general attitude is, you know, I just can't meet the conditions. I've, I've not been good enough. I've done this and I've done that. And I just don't think I'll get my healing. And they began to compromise and they began to settle for less than God offers. Well, in the first place, you don't have to be perfect to get healed. You know, Jesus healed all the multitude when they came. And I can promise you that whole multitude was not perfect. But yet God healed them. He healed all of them that came to him. Now, no one's good enough to deserve healing any more than we can be good enough to deserve the forgiveness of sin. But praise God, it's not based on our goodness. Thank the Lord he died for us when we were still sinners. Now, when we understand that, then we're going to begin to realize that every time God has a condition, it's for our good. He's not trying to make healing hard. He's trying to make it easy. And so every time there's a condition required, just stop and realize, Lord, you wouldn't do this if you weren't trying to make it easier for me to receive it. God knows that any time there's a known sin in our life, if we tolerate that sin, it's eventually going to open the door to some kind of destruction in our life. Now, I'm not saying that every time you're sick, that means you've sinned. But I'm just simply saying we just need to check ourselves and we need to say, Lord, is there some kind of willful sin that I'm putting up with? Is there any kind of unforgiveness? Is there any kind of worry and anxiety? Are there fears that I need to take care of? See, just go down the checklist and let the Holy Spirit talk to you. See, don't let the devil get a toehold. Psalm 38 verse 3 says, There's no health in my bones because of my sin. So God will tell you if that's there. Then there's another way that we often compromise the word. See, when the symptoms look extra bad, or maybe the doctor's report sounds extra bad, there is a tendency for us to begin to condition our mind to settle for less than what God has offered. And without realizing it, sometimes we begin to compromise. We start settling for a little bit less. Well, God has placed, it's almost like an invisible measuring stick out in front of every one of us. And we subconsciously decide what we're going to settle for. It doesn't matter whether it's in the area of our marriage or whether it's in the area of health or, or our peace or whatever. We can settle for a pretty good marriage or we can settle for, you know, fair health or maybe peace most of the time. Or we can grab that measuring stick at the top and we can say, no, I am not going to settle for anything less than the health that you provided for me, the perfect health that you provided. Lord, I'm not going to settle for anything less than that. We can come to a place where we say, no, I am not going to say that maybe I'm going to get sick or maybe there's going to be something wrong with me. God's wanting us to grab that measure and stick at the top and say, God, you provided everything for life and godliness, including health and healing. And I'm not settling for anything less because, Lord, you don't want me to settle for anything less. We can begin to realize my covenant calls for divine health and I'm not going to compromise. When we realize my covenant calls for that, 
And see, many times that bad report's what's trying to get us to compromise. But there's going to be bad reports in the world. And we need to come to a place where we say, Lord, your word says that I don't have to be afraid of sickness and disease. I don't have to be afraid of calamity. Lord, you've told me that there will be a thousand falling all around me, but you told me in your word that it would not approach me and it would not come near my household. And Lord, I believe you because you said that in Psalm 91. And I've grabbed hold of that and I'm not turning it loose. There's not a bad report in the world that's going to make me turn that loose. And then you need to go ahead and go on and say, Lord, I'm not going to allow the enemy to intimidate me. And began to say, who are you, Satan? You're nothing but an uncircumcised Philistine. You don't have a covenant. Who are you to taunt me? Part of the army of the living God. And I have a covenant with the living God. And I'm not going to turn loose no matter what I see. I'm not going to turn loose no matter what I hear. God's word says that all of my diseases are healed. And I will walk in divine health. I'm not going to compromise my covenant. See, we've got to come to a place where we get determined. Let determination just begin to rise up on the inside of you. And don't settle for less than what's been offered. Okay, number three, there are three ways in which healing comes that's mentioned in the New Testament. There's the simple realization that healing was provided for on the cross experience. This is the place where you know that you know that healing belongs to you and that you're not going to waver from that fact until you see the manifestation of it come in your life because you know you have a covenant. Now that's for everyone. Everyone is invited to receive their healing simply as a covenant right. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, two of the nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit include physical healing. Now, one of the nine manifestations is, of course, the, the gifts of healing. And then the other is miracles. Now, the manifestation of miracles is not confined to healing, but it certainly can include healing. I'm going to give you the definition. A miracle is any event that contradicts scientific laws. Okay, now a healing miracle then will often contradict a scientific law. Okay, now I want to give you the definition of divine healing. Divine healing is the supernatural process of becoming well and healthy. Now think about that. It's the supernatural process of becoming well and healthy. Okay, now this healing process is a very supernatural happening, but there may be a progression before we see the full manifestation. Now this is where a lot of people get into trouble. Some people will miss their healing after they've been prayed for because they don't realize that there may be a progression before the full manifestation. So even though the situation has already been reversed in the spiritual realm, many times they'll turn away in disappointment and they'll turn away in fear because they think nothing happened. Okay, let me give you some examples of how healing is sometimes a process. In John 4 verse 52, when the synagogue official came to Jesus for his little son, Jesus told him to go home. His son was well. Well, on his way back, it said that the servants came to meet him, and they said, yesterday, at such and such an hour, your son began to get better. Okay, see the, the progression? But see, that process had started from a very supernatural turnaround in the spiritual realm. Okay, in Luke 17, verse 12, if you'll take these references down. The ten lepers came to Jesus, and Jesus said, Go show yourself to the priest. And it said, As they were going, they realized the leprosy was gone. 
Okay, it took a little while now for that manifestation to show up in the physical realm, but it came. Okay, when the blind man was prayed for, he said, I see men as though they were trees. And then he was prayed for again, and Jesus laid hands on him again, and then he could see clearly. Hezekiah in the Old Testament was prayed for, and he was healed. But it was three days before he was strong enough to get up and go to the house of the Lord. Jesus cursed the fig tree. He cursed it from the roots. But it was the next day before the disciples saw the leaves had withered. Okay, don't get disappointed. You know, stick with it until you see the manifestation come in the physical realm. Because that situation is reversed, but many times we have to stand in there and determine that we're going to wait until we see the results. You know, my grandmother was well up in her 90s, and she had surgery, and she did fine, but after she got home, she fell. And when she did, from then on, she was having to use this walker, and she would just inch her way along. Well, I never expected her to get any better because she was almost just like an invalid. She could just barely inch her way along. But my sister wasn't satisfied with that. She bundled my grandmother up, and she took her to one of the church services. And after we had her sitting in the pew, well, you couldn't tell that there was anything wrong. We had a visiting evangelist, didn't know her at all. And he stopped right in the middle of his sermon, and he pointed to her, and he said, Little lady, God is healing you right now. And then he just went right on. Well, we took her home, and it didn't appear that anything had happened. She was still in her walker, and she was still just inching her way around. But over the next two weeks, she started going just a little faster and a little faster. Pretty soon, she wasn't using that walker. And within about two weeks, my mother and dad went to Detroit, and they took my grandmother with them, and she came back a different person. That fall, she planted and harvested her own garden, and she was well up in her 90s. Now see, a supernatural healing process took place. It was started that night, but it wasn't an instantaneous thing, but it, it was a supernatural process, and it was a speeded up process. It started happening, and it was about a month before we saw the completion of that. Now, I went to another service out of town, and I watched as they prayed for a little mongoloid child and nothing appeared to happen, and quite frankly, I was a little skeptical. I didn't think that child got healed. But the next month, I happened to read the newsletter from that ministry, probably the only newsletter I've ever read from that particular ministry, and they printed a letter that had been written by the mother of this child. And she said after they had gotten home that they began to watch, and they noticed that the facial features on this child began to change. And they said at first they thought it was their imagination, and then finally they realized the child was looking normal. It was about, I think they said about two weeks, I don't remember the time exactly, but about two weeks later then, they took the child to the doctor and they found that the child was totally well. Well, I thank God that I got to read that letter because by sight, nothing happened, and I would have gone on thinking that nothing had happened to the child that night. But the child was healed. God healed the child. Now, when God's Word alone is our reason for believing that our prayers have been answered. Before we ever see or before we ever hear or recognize anything, then that's faith, and that's where God wants us to be. He wants us to come to the place where we know that health and healing belongs to us because the Word of God says so. Okay, number four. Now, this one may sound a little like the same song, second verse, because I say this often, but there's no way that I can give you anything that's going to help you appropriate your healing without telling you that the Word has to be your final authority. 
Write that down and circle it and put a star by it. The Word has to be your final authority above everything else. And all in the world that means is that you have made the quality decision that you're going to believe God no matter what it looks like in the interim, no matter what it feels like, whether you see it come to pass or not, you've made your decision, you're going to believe God's Word. You're going to know that God's Word is true. Now this is an absolute must if we're going to walk in health. You know, have you noticed that we have a tendency to try to remember every little word that the doctor says and many times we'll write it down and we'll go over and over it, especially if it's a negative report. You know, we think back on everything that doctor said. But whose report are we going to believe? Now, doctors have to tell you what they see in the natural. They're trained to do that. That's their job. But 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18 tells us the things that we see in the natural realm are temporal. They're subject to change. And the Bible says that what we don't see is eternal. The Word of God, what God has spoken, that's eternal and it will never change. So it doesn't matter what kind of report you've gotten. God wants us to believe His Word more than we believe anything that we've seen or anything that we hear because His Word is true. Everything else is subject to change, but His Word is not subject to change. Now, Agnes Sanford tells in one of her books about how a friend had a son in World War II. And she had faithfully prayed Psalm 91 over that son every day. And one day a telegram came that this son had been killed in action. Now she went into her bedroom and she closed herself up in the bedroom and she opened her Bible on the bed to Psalm 91 and she laid the telegram beside the open Bible. And then she prayed and she said, Lord, I can't believe both of these reports at the same time. And she said, whose report am I to believe? And she said she sat there and she heard nothing. And so finally she says, well, okay, Lord, I'll make the choice. I choose to believe your word. And so she wadded up the telegram and she began to read Psalm 91 over her son. Well, it was several days later and she got word that there had been a mix-up in the dog tags and her son was fine. Coincidence? I don't think so. There's keeping power for those who will trust in the word of God, those that will trust in what Psalm 91 says. There's keeping power in that. Hebrews 10 verse 35 and 36 says, Don't throw away your confidence because it has great reward. Okay, Satan is constantly trying to steal our confidence in the Word any way that he can. The Word of God tells us don't cast away your confidence because of the symptoms or because of a bad report. Your confidence in God's Word is what's going to bring the reward. It's your confidence in the Word. It's your trust in the Word. Hebrews 3 verse 14 says, Hold fast to your assurance, firm until the end. Well, firm until the end of whatever it is that's trying to steal your faith. In other words, hold on to your assurance that the Word is true until you see the results, until the manifestation comes in the natural, in the physical realm. Faith is proved in retrospect. See, there's no time and space with God. If I quit believing, if I believe and then all of a sudden I decide to quit believing, I've negated my faith clear back from the start because there's no time and space with God. See, it's not how we start the race. It's how we finish the race. Now, I'm not saying that there might not be times when you give up and lay down and then ask God to forgive you and then pick it up again. That's okay. But I'm saying we've got to continue that race. We've got to continue with the Word of God. Now, I'm going to give you a little side note here. This has to do when you're standing for anything, but especially if you're standing for something that's really important. And if you'll just remember this, this literally can save your life. When you're standing for something that looks serious, you're going to have to watch who you run with. 
because negative words will tear your faith down so fast. So you're going to have to watch who you run with. You're going to have to surround yourself with people that believe the Word of God and will continue to speak the Word of God to you. You're going to have to watch what you read and make sure that you're not letting negative reports come in. You're going to have to watch what you listen to and you're going to have to watch what you think on. See, it's very easy to be reading the Word and, and confessing faith and what the Word of God says and at the same time be playing out negative situations in your mind. And sometimes we can do that and it can be very subconscious. We have to keep a really tight discipline on our mind. Because if you don't, you'll find yourself, you'll be believing the Word of God and then maybe an hour later, you'll find that you've just played out all of these things in your mind that are completely contrary to what you're believing. You'll have just kind of dreamed off and, and you'll be letting these negative thoughts run through your mind. Let me give you some examples. You know, maybe you've been praying for a family member and without consciously realizing it, your mind will start fantasizing on how you might get sick and in the process then that family member is going to get saved and come back to God and all of a sudden you, you realize you fantasized all that. Don't do that. Let me tell you, God is bigger than that. Or maybe you're confessing that those symptoms are not cancer and you're confessing and believing that. But an hour later, you realize that you've been mentally planning out what medical route that you're going to take just in case it's cancerous. See, thinking thoughts like, well, if this should be cancer, am I going to take chemo or not? Don't do that. You might not be able to help a fleeting thought that comes running through your mind. But when you realize that that thought's there, get rid of it. Keep a very tight discipline on your mind because that line of thinking will tear down your faith. See, there's no what ifs with God. Don't start thinking, well, what if this or what if that? There are no what ifs with the Word of God. Now, Satan's going to try to steal your peace and he's going to try to steal your faith by whoever or whatever method that he can use. And there's no way to stand in your faith if you're listening to these doubts or if you're thinking on these doubt thoughts, if you're playing out the scenario. You know, we had one lady that had terminal cancer. She didn't go to this church, but she came many times to have us pray with her and give her the Word of God and get her built up in healing. Well, she ran with some really well-meaning, good church-going people, and they loved her, but they were afraid she was going to get disappointed. And so every time she would begin to say that she was believing God's Word and she was believing to be healed, they would say, you know, you can't do that. You just need to accept the fact that you're going to die and just get prepared for it. And finally, as she was telling us this, we said, you're just going to have to make a choice. You're either going to have to choose to pull yourself away from these friends and believe the Word of God, or it's going to totally pull your faith down. See, James says, let not the double-minded man expect to receive anything. He said, if you're double-minded, if you're listening to faith and doubt at the same time, you're going to be like a ship that's just driven on the waves, a reed that's driven in the wind. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14 says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? So anytime we're double-minded, we're going to find that we're trying to mix light with darkness. We're trying to mix faith with doubt. Now, if there sometimes weren't a period of standing, then there wouldn't be all these scriptures to encourage us to hang in there. Hebrews 10 verse 23 tells us, hold fast to your confession of faith. In other words, he's saying don't turn loose of your confession of faith because he that promised is faithful. Okay, what is your confession of faith? 
It's simply believing in your heart and confessing with your lips God's declaration of who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ Jesus. Jesus never voiced the negative. He always voiced what God's Word said. He was continually saying, it is written. Now, too many times God's people are repeating the problems and they're talking the symptoms and they're constantly saying what Satan says. You know, sometimes if you'll listen to what comes out of our mouth, we need to realize that we have more faith in what Satan says and more faith in what man says than we have faith in what God says. And you can listen to your confessions and you can know where your faith is. Ephesians 4 verse 27 says, Give no place to the devil. Well, one way that we give place to the devil is by saying what he says. That's one of the ways that we give place to him. Now, God can be no bigger in your life than you confess him to be. You know, I had this Sunday school teacher years and years ago, and she's one of the sweetest women I'd ever known. She probably loved the Lord as much as anybody on the face of this earth. And she was just precious and mild-mannered. She found out that she had a terminal illness. And someone took her a book on healing, and she was so sweet, and like I say, she was so mild-mannered, and she said, Honey, thank you so much for the book, but I'm sorry, I just don't believe that way. Well, no one could quibble over her close love walk with the Lord, but God still could be no bigger in her life than she was confessing Him to be. Now, she limited God because she confessed with her mouth. She just didn't believe in the divine healing of God. Okay, number five way of appropriating health. The five senses were given to us to live in this physical world. This is a part of our earth suit. It's a part of our physical body. Now, the five senses were not given to us to walk in the spiritual realm. Many times what we do, we try to use our five senses to use for spiritual discernment. It won't work that way. They're good gifts. We'd have a hard time operating in this physical world without them. But 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 says, The things of God cannot be understood by natural man. In other words, we can't understand the things of God with our physical senses. So don't try to contact the spiritual realm with your five senses because it's not going to work. Now, faith means that we have left the sense realm. Let me give you this example. Perfume is non-existent to our sense of hearing. Okay, have you ever tried to hear perfume? Okay, but that doesn't mean that the perfume doesn't exist just because you can't hear it. Now, faith will bring into the physical realm that which we're believing for. But until the time when it manifests in the physical realm, that thing that we're believing for is going to be non-existent to our five physical senses. Okay, does that mean then that what we're believing for doesn't exist? No. You don't doubt the perfume just because you can't hear it. Neither are we to doubt healing just because it hasn't yet manifested. So we needed to keep standing and keep exercising our faith until it does manifest. Now, all of you are familiar with the story in 2 Kings 6, verse 15. This is when the little servant boy with Elisha was so fearful because he saw all the physical armies coming. And so Elisha prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes. And when he did, he saw in the spiritual realm and he saw all the angels. And there were more for them than there were against them. And all the fear left. Well, the ability that God gave that little servant boy to see in the spiritual realm did not create those angels. Those angels were already there. They were real. They were out there in the spiritual realm, even though he couldn't see them with his natural senses. I seen them didn't make them any more real. Okay, now those things that God has promised to us 
They're out there in the spiritual realm, and they're just as real as those angels were. So we need to ask God sometime to, to give us a faith picture, to open our eyes in the spiritual realm and let us be able to see and get a faith vision for what we're believing for. And then when those doubts began to come, switch over into that faith image and, and begin to rejoice. You know, too many times people describe faith as believing without evidence. But that's so wrong. You know, believing God's Word is believing because of the highest form of evidence. See, God's Word is going to last forever. Number six, Ephesians 6 says, Having done all, stand. But we need to ask God, have I done all? Sometimes we're there standing and we're not listening to God if He's trying to tell us what we need to do. So just ask the Lord, is there a point of obedience that I've not yet accomplished? And if so, then ask Him how. You know, He'll give you the strength. He'll show you exactly how to accomplish it. Anytime you want to know something from God, He doesn't mind your asking. Talk to Him. He's your best friend. And talk to Him that way, and He'll show you. Okay, number seven. Don't get faith mixed up with mental assent. There's a lot of people that think they're in faith just simply because they'll say, well, of course I believe in, in healing. If we held up our hand tonight, everybody that believed in healing, well, you know, we'd all say, well, yes, I believe in healing. But many times that kind of faith is not good enough because a lot of times it is just mental assent. You know, James said, show me your faith and I'll show you my faith by my works. Faith is an act. It is an action. There's the act of demonstrating your faith. And one of those acts is the refusal to make friends with a sickness. And we think, well, who would make friends with a sickness? But many times we do without even realizing it. The sick leave program in a lot of the companies has made it easy to make friends with a sickness. You know, it's easy to say, oh, you know, I haven't had any sick leave in a long time. I think I deserve to be sick for a day. I'm not saying that it's wrong to take one of your sick days. But don't will yourself sick so that you can have a day. And there is a difference. There are other people who will subconsciously give in to symptoms simply because it brings attention. So we have to realize that it's dangerous to ever play sick or ever will ourselves sick for any reason. We need to realize that sin and sickness is what put Jesus on the cross, and that's reason enough to hate it and not want any part of it. And even when you do have symptoms on your body, this is the time when we need to speak forth what God's Word says. If we don't, there's a lot of times when we subconsciously will take it in without even realizing it. Now, some people say, well, I'm not going to lie about it. If I'm sick, I'm not going to say I'm healed. Listen, when you quote what the Word of God says, you're not lying. God's Word is truth. Now, I'm not saying that you can't go to bed and rest your body if you need it, but you need to be speaking health the whole time. Every time you wake up and turn over, the Word of God needs to be pouring out of your mouth. That needs to be something that you have on your mind and your thoughts at every moment. See, faith is putting that word to work. Now, I'm going to give you three checkpoints to see if you're acting in faith. The first checkpoint is to notice what the very first words are that come out of your mouth when the enemy strikes. Is it, oh my goodness, I'd better get to the doctor fast? <laughs> you know, well, there's nothing wrong with going to the doctor. But that cannot be our source. That can't be the first thoughts in our mind. If that's the first thought in our mind, then it's wrong. The very first thought, the very first word should be the Word of God coming out of our mouth. Now, don't be ashamed or embarrassed over your weapons. See, that would be like a soldier being ashamed of his rifle that had been issued to him, so he hides it when he gets into battle. We're aliens in, in a foreign land, and the weapons that God has given to us, these weapons, they're powerful. 
the Word of God, the name of Jesus, praise, you know, the blood of Jesus. Now, if we're embarrassed over our weapons, then they're not going to do us much good. Later, look up 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. But it tells us that the weapons that He's given to us are divinely powerful. They have been empowered by a divine power so that they'll pull down these strongholds and so they'll tear down these lofty things that are raised up against the knowledge of God. Now, there's a general rule. The faster that the word comes out of your mouth in the face of a problem, usually the less harassment you're going to have from the enemy. Okay, another way to see if you're acting in your faith is the praising and the thanking God in advance. If you'll remember when Lazarus was in the tomb, Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Lord, I thank you that you have heard me. Well, by sight, you couldn't tell that the Lord had heard him because Lazarus was still in the tomb. But he knew that God had heard him simply because he was praying according to the perfect will of the Father. Anytime you pray for healing and you confess the word on healing, you are praying according to the perfect will of the Father. Now, sometimes while symptoms are still in our body, we're going to have to lift our hands and we're going to have to say, Lord, I thank you that you've heard me. Put down 1 John 5, 14 and 15. It says, when you pray according to the perfect will of the Father, you can know that he's heard you. And when you know that he's heard you, you know you're going to receive that thing that you've asked for. Okay, another way of acting your faith is to cast your care then over on him. You know, sometimes we get into striving and, and we try to make it happen. We try to play God. Well, there's a place where we come into that rest and we know that He's going to do it. See, we do the believing and He does the performing. We can't make it happen. That's His privilege. So it's okay to pray and say, Lord, apart from you, I'd be sick. But praise God, your word is my covenant. And your word declares thus and so. And then cast that care over him and trust in him and trust in his faithfulness. Now, faith doesn't wait until the walls of Jericho are down to praise. Faith's going to shout those walls down. Number eight way to appropriate the word on healing. Notice where you're looking. If you look to another person, especially someone that you consider spiritual, and then if it ever looks like the word is not working in some area of their life, if you've got your eyes on them, then your faith is going to begin to waver. You can't know what's going on behind the scene in somebody else's life. I don't care how close you are to them. Now that was the same in Jesus' day. If you'll remember in Mark 9 verse 17, when they brought the little epileptic boy to the disciples, the disciples prayed for him and nothing happened. Now if those parents had left at that point, they could have said, well, I guess healing doesn't work every time, you know, I took him to the disciples and they couldn't do anything for him. Of course, uh, Jesus commanded the demon out. But we can't base our faith on somebody else's faith. See, the basis of our faith for health or for anything else has to be based on the message and not on the messenger. And that's very important. You can't ever look to yourself or you can't look to your situation instead of looking to God's Word. Now keep this in mind. I must look to God's Word in faith for my health. I must never fall into Satan's trap of looking to my health for my faith in God. We need to get our eyes off of self and get our eyes off of other people and get our eyes on God. Now, some of you have a real good track record for standing against sicknesses in your body, and that's good. But if you put your eyes on your track record instead of your assurance of the fact that God's Word's going to work, 
then you're going to find that, that you'll be in trouble. So our good track record can't be our assurance of a continued victory over sickness. It has to be that God's Word says it. And number nine, get a vision. Proverbs 28 verse 18 says that without a vision, my people perish. So you need to ask yourself, you know, why do I want this healing? If it's simply to keep right on doing my own selfish thing and living for self, then I probably will never release enough faith to believe for, for my healing. So we need to ask God to give us a vision of what our part is in the end time army. See, every one of us have a very important part to play in this end time army. There's a job to be done. And we're not healed just so that we can build our own kingdom. We're healed so that we can do His will. And when we get a hold of that, it's going to spark some brand new faith on the inside of you. A couple of years ago, I had some symptoms come on my body and it looked serious. And I looked at it and I thought, my goodness. And then all of a sudden, it was like what God had called me to do just began to loom up inside of my spirit. And a knowing just overtook me that I didn't have time to be sick. I couldn't get sick and, and I couldn't die. Satan couldn't overcome me because I had a job to do. God had spoken that job to me. I knew I could look in the Word of God and know that there was a job to do. And so God's wanting us to get excited about what He's called us to do. And He's wanting us to have faith for the work of God. And then when we have faith for the work of God, then that's going to cause us to have a faith for health and healing to begin to rise up on the inside of us. Father, thank You for Your Word on healing. Thank You that it's a part of the atonement. Thank You that it's already been provided for. That it's not something that we have to beg you for. It's something that you freely give to us. Now, Lord, I thank you for the fact that there are many ways to receive our health and our healing. And tonight, Lord, I just thank you that I'm believing you, that you've spoken to me, that there are going to be many people who are set free tonight. Holy Spirit, we ask you to have your will and have your way in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. Please share this teaching with anyone you think it would minister to. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org.